I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to a special Veterans Day edition of First Class Fatherhood here. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, guys, many people have asked me which interviews that I've done on the podcast that are my favorite, and my response is always the ones that I have done with our nation's greatest warriors. I am humbled to have had the opportunity to speak with so many heroes. God knows we wouldn't stand a chance in this world without our men and women who serve in the military. Today is the day that we honor all of those who have served our country. I know that many of you dads out there who listen to this podcast are veterans. I would just like to take a second here to say thank you for your service. I do not take my freedom for granted. I pray that I am living a life worthy of the many sacrifices made by you and your families. I have done my best here to bring out as many dads from all branches of the military. You will find a ton of them available in the archives of the show, ready for you to listen to at your convenience. Today I have put together a special edition which will include my most downloaded military dad interviews so far in 2020. They include two Navy SEALs and two Green Berets. You will hear the interview portion only of these episodes and we're going to begin with Green Beret Medal of Honor recipient Matt Williams. Then you'll hear from SEAL Team 6 wingsuit flying phenomenon, Andy Stumpf. After that, Green Beret and professional UFC fighter, Tim Kennedy. And finally, Navy SEAL podcaster and best-selling author, the one and only Jocko Willink. Okay, so please enjoy and please keep all of our veterans in your prayers today. I am a very proud American and extremely grateful that I live in a country that has produced such incredible human beings, and we are blessed to call them our veterans, our warriors, and our heroes. All right, and as always, guys, please let me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show to see us celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with two Navy SEALs, two Green Berets on this Veterans Day. I'm Alec Lason. You're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Today's episode is being brought to you by Manscaped, and dads, 2020 has been a year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing that you can control, and that is shaving that area that made you a dad in the first place. My sponsors over at Manscaped.com are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premier electric trimmer that is waterproof with advanced skin-safe technology, so you never have to worry about scratching those love spuds while you're giving yourself a smooth shave. The Lawnmower 3.0 is included in the Perfect Package 3.0, and for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you're going to get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. And let me tell you something right now, guys. The Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs are the best pair of drawers I've ever put on. So what are you waiting for? Visit Manscaped.com. Use my promo code FATHER. You're going to save 20% off your order plus free shipping. That's 20% off your order plus get free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code FATHER and get rid of those short hairs in your short pants today. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Matt Williams. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be here. All right, let's start right here. How many kids do you have? How old? Uh, so just one boy. He's three uh, before November. So it's uh, it's been fun. Awesome. Did you guys do like a gender reveal to find out you were having a boy, or did you wait to the end to find out? Uh, we found out beforehand. Uh, we didn't. We didn't do anything crazy. Just you know, found out at the doctor's office, and we're happy with what we found out. <laughs> you, you, you going for the girl now, or are you guys all done? Uh, I don't know. We talked about it. We 
we haven't made the official decision. Um, kind of see how it goes, but you know, it's he's uh, Nolan, my son, is he's a strong-willed three-year-old, so he he actually he may need somebody to help kind of tame him. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, if you could, Matt, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, Matt Williams, I'm a sergeant major, uh, currently serving in the Army uh, for Third Special Forces Group. Um, I've been in the Army for 14 and a half, going on 15 years. Um, been with Third Special Forces Group most of my career. Uh, done, I don't know, five deployments to Afghanistan, one to, to Africa. Um, now I'm kind of filling a staff role. And uh, been married for 10 years. Um, and then, like I said, a, a father for three and a half, almost four. Um, that's that's about it. Yeah, and Matt, thank you for your service. Uh, it's really an honor for me to have you here today. And uh, so, uh, during your service here, then how old were you then about when you when you became a father? And how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, so I was actually I was thirty five, I believe, thirty five, thirty six, um, and it was a huge change. I uh, so I was actually uh, I kind of had a break. I was instructing. I was at one of our uh, advanced skill schools for special forces. Um, so I had some time at home, which was good. Um, and I've, I've actually able to be home for the mo- most part. I've, I've done one deployment since, since we had Nolan. Um, but overall, I mean, it changes kind of my, it changed my whole outlook on, on the way things are, uh, definitely reinforced putting family first. Um, you know, the, the career at that point was always the first, first things first. And, you know, willing to jump on whatever and, and do what was whatever is needed, which of course I still am, but you know, I always have in the back of my head taken into account, you know, raising a young son and, and making sure I'm around for as much as, as as I can be, you know, knowing I still have quite a bit of time in the military and you know, there'll definitely be those times where I won't be able to be around. Um you know, but it, it definitely is a huge eye opener, I'll say that. You know, it's you think you can prepare for it and, and all that, but you know, there's no way. Yeah, well said. I, I hear you on that. And, and one of the reasons why I, I love having uh, so many of the dads from the military on is because, I, you know, I, I can't imagine having to do like you go on deployment and have to go so far away from your family and be away for such a long time. I, I work a, an overnight or a double at my job and I feel like I'm being uh, taken away from my family. So yeah. it's amazing what you guys uh, what you do. And I love the videos that I see of the service members coming back to surprise their families when they come back from a deployment. I think they're the best videos on, uh, on YouTube. Yeah. And, uh, and so what, what has it been like for you? I mean, what, what is like, uh, is it harder for you now? Like what was it? I mean, you've done so many different deployments uh, without being a dad. What was the major difference for you doing a deployment this time? I know only one so far while being a dad. I, it's definitely tough. You know, we have it easy now, to be honest with, with our, you know, technological capabilities, kind of reaching back home and, you know, doing FaceTime or, or kind of at least seeing video uh, of the kids, which helps a lot. But it's it's definitely tough, you know, especially with a really young one watching over, you know, six, five, six months, the drastic changes that they're making and knowing that you're, you're not there for it. Um, it's definitely a, a harder thing to watch, um, you know, and it's always kind of in the back of your mind, you know, what are you missing out on? You know what's going on are there you know what big milestones you know are, are you missing um i've been fortunate in, in not having to really miss anything huge I, I missed a christmas but he was still so young that it wasn't you know that big of a deal 
Um, those are the hardest parts, though. You know, definitely the guys on my teams, the guys I serve with, you know, having to be have older kids. And, you know, I've, I've seen them kind of miss, you know, the birthdays and the Christmases and, and those kind of things constantly. And those are that's definitely the hardest part when you miss out on those those special deals. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine that, Matt. And I know I know one thing, too, like. Uh, being like a civilian guy, like the first time I have, I know you guys get that service before self mentality built into you guys in your military careers. But right. out here, like as, as a civilian guy, the first time I ever got anything like that was becoming uh, becoming a dad for the first time. And it was like I kind of got that idea of, wow, like there is somebody on this planet that I that I would sacrifice my life for. Uh, the first time I, I, you know, we get that out here is is from being a father. And obviously you are, are a uh, Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, it's the highest award that could be received in the military what was it like for you uh, to be there to receive that award and to have your wife and your child present uh, during the ceremony uh yeah you know it was still something i'm trying to wrap my head around to be honest with you um so i was awarded in october for an action that took place um in 2008 you know so it, it's something that happened you know so long ago that it you know literally fallen off the radar and i'd moved on with my career and done my thing and then you know got all that kind of got re-energized um, fairly quickly, um, but but having them, we actually didn't bring Nolan up for the whole ceremony um, since he was still still a little too young for him to understand it, um, which is you know something that it's very it's unfortunate. And we wrestled with it a lot, um, but having them there, you know, was was great. My wife being there for me. Um, Luckily, we have the ability to kind of go back and watch the ceremony again, and we have all the pictures, and, and my son knows, you know, that his dad met the president and got a medal and all that kind of stuff. He got to watch it on TV here um, and is, you know, extremely excited about it. Hasn't, you know, obviously doesn't fully understand it, but, you know, he's still, every time he sees the president on TV, he's like, oh, it's President Trump, you know, dad, I met the president and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's awesome, and it's it's definitely added another layer of, responsibility to live up to in his eyes you know as well which is is i think going to continue to be interesting yeah i, I rewatched it again last time. i'm going to put a link in the description of today's podcast episode to the youtube video of the ceremony this way my listeners can check it out see what we're talking about and and i know they have the book um uh, no way out uh, about the incident that took place mm-hmm. where you, you and, and so many uh, of your brothers were, were awarded medals uh for the incident did you ever read the book uh, did you have any thoughts on that you know, honestly, I have not read it. <laughs> um, I, you know, my wife's read it and family members have read and everything. Um, and it that's something that kind of came together. And I was I was still right in the middle of my my team time. We were, you know, going everywhere. I think I did a couple deployments during the writing of the book. So I honestly didn't have much input on it. Um, but I've heard it's good and it's, it's a it's a accurate representation of, of kind of what happened that day um, since the book was written. There's actually two two of us have been awarded Medal of Honor, um, Ron Schur and myself, um, uh, along with like you mentioned several other folks that got awarded Valorous awards for it. So it was, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say and, and and identify with it, but it's you know it's for what it's worth, I guess a relatively historical battle um, from the war in Afghanistan, and um, you know it's it's worth looking into and understanding what, you know, the guys out there are doing and are willing to do for, for their country and for each other. 
Yeah, the, the story of it is just incredible to, to read. I mean, the way that you guys were outnumbered and, and just uh, it, it, the whole thing is just mind-boggling, the way that you guys are able to handle them type of situations. I'm blown away by it. But now, if they did option this thing for a movie, do you have anybody in mind in particular you'd want to play yourself <laughs> or no? You know, we, uh, it's funny. Ron and I actually, uh, and several other guys on the team, right when this all happened, used to joke about that all the time. That was that was 10 or so years ago. So I think our cast members have, uh, have moved on. But... You know, we haven't, I don't know anymore, to be honest with you. I, it'd be hard to find somebody that, you know, looked like me 10 years ago, I think. Well, you got to, you, you got to go and throw a Chris Pratt in there or something yeah, like that, yeah, you know, I'm going to get an action the, guy in there. I'm going to um, look up all the young guys. I don't know anybody anymore. <laughs> Reining it back into you as a dad here, what are some of the top values that you're hoping uh, to instill into your son? Uh, you know, some of the biggest ones are, are things I learned from, from my dad, honestly, you know, it was, you know, work ethic, loyalty. Uh, honesty, humility. Um, I think all, all those things are extremely important to, to impart on the youth uh, today, um, specifically, you know, your own children. Um, so we're creating, you know, a, a younger generation that knows what hard work is, you know, know what it is to care about one another, know what it is to, to be honest and loyal um, and, and humility uh, when in a time where I think everybody's looking for I don't know, Instagram fame and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of detractors out there. And I think those things that really keep people grounded uh, are important and, and really lead to, to a person of strong character uh, that's, that can kind of overcome obstacles and, you know, do great things. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I think we need to get more of your stories out there just because it's important, the, the values that come from, you know, just just taking ownership and responsibility. I think right now we're in a world where everybody passes the buck along. It's, it's not mm -hmm. my fault. It's somebody else's. They always look for an excuse. And I think we need more of that mindset of uh, of taking the ownership of, of, for our actions. And you mentioned your own father there. Well, what's I know I know Nolan is young yet, but what type of disciplinary are you? A spanker, a timeout guy? Is it, <laughs> is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Uh, you know, it's funny, you know, everybody's, everybody's always mad at their dad till they have to become, you know, become them. Um, you know, we're, it's an ongoing constant, you know, learning process for my wife and I both. Um, I'll say she's definitely probably a little more strict than I am right now. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a three-year-old boy. It's literally the funnest thing you could ever do. So I, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I give him some breaks probably when I shouldn't, but, uh, you know, we're working through trying to find the best process that works. To be honest, uh, like I said, he's he's stubborn and, and strong-willed. Um, so you know, timeouts I think have started to not work anymore, for as far as we can tell. <laughs> but uh, you know, the the biggest thing we're trying to do is ensure that we teach you know teach him manners and and teach him to be kind and and uh, and you know be a good listener. All those things that you know at three that that we can try to impart on him and. And work through it. I mean, you know, I, I've been told the terrible twos are, you know, it's a myth and it's really the, the threes. And that's pretty much where we're at right now. Yeah, it's definitely an on the job learning process <laughs> for sure. And what, what about what about as far as your bedtime routine, Matt? Are you like a, a storyteller? You're reading the books, a lullaby guy. How do you kind of handle that? Yeah. So that's one thing that we've done uh, from early on was we were, we were very strict with scheduling. And, and because of that, no one he's awesome at. On, on schedule so we you know we have a preset regimen for the evening time we you know do the bath time thing play a little bit and he he likes to do what he calls moves where he runs around and creates crazy dance moves or i don't know what what all but 
uh, then definitely do the book. We we really make it a, a focus to continue to read to him and, you know, constantly. Um, and that's kind of what we do. And then every now and then it'll be rock with mom, you know, depending on how he's feeling. And then and we put him in bed and he's actually he's been a great sleeper and he he's really good at his his little routine and schedule, which we like a lot. Yeah, good stuff. And what about Matt, as far as advice for parents out there that have kids? I know we're coming up to what well, would have been graduation time, but I mean, people yeah. are now they're graduating from high school. And we have a lot of kids that will be uh, joining the armed forces. What kind of advice do you have for parents out there that have kids that are about to enlist or about to sign up or about to join the military? Yeah, you know, it's I think uh, from a parental perspective, you will, I think that's probably a, a really tough thing to hear. I know it was for my mom. Uh, you know, I, I finished college and then basically told my parents I was joining the military um, and going into the special forces. That's what I signed up to do. It's what I always kind of wanted to do. Uh, and my mom was, you know, it's a it's a mixed emotions. You're extremely proud, obviously, that you raised somebody that that understands the value of service and and has a willingness to serve their country. Uh, but in the back of your mind, you've always got that that extra worry of, you know, my son or daughter is about to put themselves in harm's way and, and, and what are they going to face and what's it going to be like? Um, and they're going away and, and, you know, what's, you know, am I going to be able to talk to them, see him, et cetera. Uh, but the, the, I guess the biggest piece of advice is, you know, understand that, you know, America's military is the literally we're the best trained, uh, best equipped, best armed force on the planet. Um, and our job in the military is to take care of our soldiers, take care of our, our men and women and ensure that they're, extremely competent uh, at their job, that they're ready to perform at the highest level, um, and the value that they're going to get out of their service, you know, is is well worth uh, their endeavor. Yeah, great stuff, Matt. Yeah, we and, and thank God, because we wouldn't stand a chance in this world without you guys. So uh, it, it, it's awesome to hear that. What, what about what's next for you now? How much longer in your career do you have to go until until you're going to be done? And what's, what do you see yourself doing? Beyond? Any political aspirations or what's going to be next for you? <laughs> uh you know, so I've got I've got at least five years until I hit you know the the 20 year retirement mark. Um, so I'm I'm definitely looking forward to those, and you know I'm I'm doing something that I love. You know I I joined the army uh, in 2005, uh, and I was going to do five years and and get out and move on and and try a federal law enforcement thing or something like that. That was kind of my goal, and I really fell in love with what I was doing. And at that point, I told myself, as long as I enjoyed it, I was going to continue to do it. And I still have that mindset today. Um, you know, so I've at least got five more years. Uh, and I, I look forward to kind of moving up in leadership roles and taking care of the younger guys and, and training them and, and getting them ready to do what what we need them to do. Um, and as, after that, I, I, honestly, I haven't quite put it all together yet, to, to be honest with you. Um, things have changed quite a bit for me over the past year, uh, especially with the with the Medal of Honor and everything, and it's opened up a lot of opportunities, and, and I've seen, you know, ways to, to help out in other ways and give back. Uh, the Medal of Honor and the Medal of Honor Society um, puts a lot of focus on the youth and does a lot with schools and kids, and, and I've, I've really started to enjoy a little bit of that I've gotten to do. Um, so we'll see. I, I honestly haven't really haven't thought about it. Yeah, it makes sense, Matt. And let, you know what? Last thing I want to hit you with here, uh, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Uh, you know, honestly, I think I think it's really don't panic. 
<laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be prepared for it. Um, but do the best you can and, and remember, you know, remember what you, 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 you were taught as a kid and what you learned through your lifetime and, and make sure you understand the values that, that you want to put forth and, and how you want to raise your kid and, and have that dialogue with your significant other and, and move forward with the plan and just be prepared to change it as it, as it comes. Cause it's, it's going to change, um, you know, the kids are going to change your life and no matter, you know, how many books you read or, or, or whatever, wherever you, you get your knowledge from, it's, it's not always going to be that way. Every, everything's different. Uh, every kid's different and they all have their own different needs. So as long as you're there for them and, and you put them first and, you know, and make them the focus and I think you'll be fine. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been a big honor for me. I got to say, Matt Williams, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on first class fatherhood. Absolutely. Ak. I appreciate it again. It's an honor to be here. The, 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 the people you've had on are, are all amazing folks. Several of them I've looked up to in my own life. So it's, it's a pleasure and honor to, to actually uh, be on here with you. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. All right, dads, today's episode of First Class Fatherhood is being sponsored by Himalaya Botanic Toothpaste. Since I have been conducting more video interviews and making TV appearances, I have been on the search for a toothpaste that's going to help make my teeth look white, feel fresh, and I have found that with Himalaya Botanic Toothpaste. Sometimes using natural toothpaste can feel like a trade-off and leave your mouth feeling unclean, and I've tried so many toothpastes that either taste like baking soda or they don't even work. Himalaya Botanic, my sponsor for today's episode, is a toothpaste that's free from fluoride, SLS, and artificial flavors and colors. But unlike similar toothpaste, they don't compromise on flavor and performance. Himalaya toothpaste is always bursting with foam and flavor. Interested in trying it out for yourself? Get 20% off Himalaya Botanic toothpaste on Amazon with the discount code FATHERHOOD. Check out the show notes for more details on Himalaya Botanic toothpaste and start using a better toothpaste today. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Andy Stumpf. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have three children. My oldest is 16. My boy, uh, middle son, is 14, and my daughter is 11. Wow, very cool. What kind of sports or activities are they all into? That huh, fluctuates and navigates depending on the time of year. Uh, my oldest son plays soccer. And enjoys some outdoor winter sports, specifically snowboarding. Uh, my middle son has dabbled in just about everything. He's played baseball for a bit. Um, he is interested in soccer again. Also, really likes snowboarding. And my daughter has done softball, but currently, right now, she's kind of into the equestrian activities. So she's got a pony, and she likes riding that thing. Wow, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, what, what, do you ever get involved with like coaching as far as the soccer goes? You kind of step away and enjoy all that stuff from the from the sideline. I don't know if I would be an excellent coach for my kids. I think it's better off in that environment to just step away and uh, let them listen to other people. I have done some assistant coaching like on the day. If there's, you know, at my son's baseball games earlier on before we moved up to uh, Montana, you know, they'd like go be a first or a third base coach. I'll help out with that. I definitely don't avoid it. Uh, but I have found that they respond better to other people's input than just my own. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Andy, if you could, just please take a minute here just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Um, you know, earlier in my life, I was in the military, so I did one month under 17 years in the Navy. The whole uh, time that I was in the Navy, obviously, subtract the pipeline, but I was in the SEAL community. 
So it took about 18 months to finish that pipeline in. And then I did my entire career inside of that community. I was medically retired the last day of June in 2013. And at that time, I was working uh, part-time for CrossFit. So that was actually my bridge out of the military. So I went from working part-time to full-time. Uh, got to a point where you know I had basically glass ceilinged out in that organization. It was a great organization to work for, but there just was nowhere for me to go vertically. So I stopped doing that. And that's the point in time where I started diving into skydiving the way that I wanted to pursue it. So I got pretty deep into skydiving and base jumping. And at that same time period, I started teaching free fall again. I had taught free fall inside of the military, but I started doing it specifically towards Air Force, PJ, and CCT personnel who were ending their pipeline. So getting hold of them relatively early to teach them that. And in the course of all that, I started doing some public speaking, uh, as well as started the podcast, I think two and a half years ago. No, I actually, I would have to go back and look when the first episode was actually published. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I do now. I do a mix of endorsement and ambassador stuff, the podcast and public speaking pretty much takes up most of my time. Yeah. It's an incredible, uh, resume, Andy, and thank you for your service before I forget to say that. And, um, uh, so then about how old were you then, Andy, when you first became a dad and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? So my oldest son was almost my birthday present because my birthday is October 10th. He was born October 11th in 2003. So I had just turned 26. I was 26 years old plus a day. And I think anybody who goes from not being a parent to being a parent likely has the same realization of, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? Am I capable and competent enough to keep this little ball of flesh alive? Am I going to do the right thing? Do I know enough? And it, it, uh, I would say the biggest thing for me when it came to having kids as before is it just changes your perspective uh, of yourself. There's always something else to think about besides just you. And that continued on, obviously, with my second son and then my daughter, regardless of what it is that I'm doing or what I'm trying to accomplish, I have to frame that in the perspective and context of my kids as well. Yeah. What about as far as like, what are some of the top values that you're hoping to instill in your kids? Top values that I'm trying to instill in my kids. I mean, for me, I think it all starts and stops with your integrity. And, you know, the things that you do are powerful and the things that you say are powerful, but they need to be commensurate. They can't be divergent. Um, I want my kids to be whoever they want to be. I've never pushed them towards a military background. And I've also never tried to dissuade them from military background. My questions to them are based around what do they feel empowered by? What do they think like they want to do as opposed to, you know, I often hear people asking, you know, young kids, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I was fortunate very young that I knew what I wanted to do, but I, I don't want to apply that additional pressure to my kids. So instead of saying to them, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I just ask them what interests them or what they think they would be fulfilled by doing. And then to me, the biggest stepping stone for them would be those values of having integrity, um, obviously instilling in them a work ethic and a good moral compass. I mean, I think those are the three things that would hopefully separate and differentiate them from everybody out there who's the here group. Yeah, well said. And what about, obviously, you know, uh, extensive uh, military career with the SEAL teams? Obviously, you're very disciplined. But what type of disciplinarian are you at when it comes to being a father? And is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Um, I would say as far as a discipline perspective, it's very similar 
approach to the way my parents raised me. I mean, the bottom line was with them because they gave me plenty of freedom and room to explore, but there was always hard boundaries. Like, uh, you know, for me, it was sports and driving were all based around educational performance. And let me be completely clear. I was did not have great performance from an education perspective. And I look back and it's because I just didn't I didn't care. I was already at that point waiting for the calendar to flip over enough time so I could join the Navy. And I saw my peers sitting for their SATs and applying to college and it didn't it just had no draw to me. And I just, you know, I didn't have much to be successful there. So I didn't pay enough attention to it as I probably should have. But anytime I deviated from the standard GPA that my parents wanted from me, you know, the driver's license or the access to the car went away, sporting activities went away. So they set very clear expectations. And then the most important thing was, is that they held me to it. And as far as a disciplinarian for my kids, I try to be completely open and honest with them about my successes and specifically my failures. And also if they want to have goals or they want to be able to do things to set those expectations, and then you have to hold them to it. You know, if you set the expectation and you don't hold them to it, what message are you passing along to your kid? Yeah, yeah, very well said. And I know right now we're in the middle of this whole um, uh, coronavirus lockdown thing. How much has it affected you out there? Are you doing the whole homeschooling thing? And what's been been your approach to all this? Well, you know, I'm in a unique situation. So I'm almost a year into a divorce and I have, uh, you know, an approved co-parenting plan. Uh, with my ex-wife. And the problem with it right now is that because of what's going on, I'm not actually getting access to my kids. And the court system here in Montana doesn't really know how to deal with that because we're obviously in unprecedented times. So the schools have attempted to go to a distance or online learning model. And I'm only, I'm, I can only watch this from a distance. Uh, and so they're doing a little bit, but I don't know if they're going to be able to make that full shift before the next school year. I suspect the kids will probably not go back to school. Montana's doing it two-week chunks at a time, but it's been really tough. I actually haven't been able to see my kids. I've seen my kids for maybe a total of an hour in the past eight weeks since they started this lockdown. Yeah, that's got to be tough. I got four kids myself, and we're doing – I got two of them are online right now with their teachers, and it's definitely uh, – really quickly shifted the way that we go about our daily routines here, as it has for everybody. Um, yep. and, and you mentioned there, too, now you're going through this divorce. I know what, I have a lot of dads that will always hit me up, and we, we, we have some of these discussions. One of the most difficult things um, for dads that go through this is, um, and I'm curious to get your opinion, wh- when would you feel comfortable, at what point would you feel comfortable in a new relationship uh, to introduce your kids to a new potential spouse? You know, I think it depends on the kid. All three of my kids are wildly different. Um, personality wise, uh, and I think the way that they would approach something like that, um, you know, I don't have a good answer. I think it depends completely on the relationship that you have with your kids, your, the relationship that you have with your ex and how she is going to receive, you know, that new information. Um, yeah, you know, I wish I had a good answer. I don't. And what about as far as I know you do, I mean, you've done, I've seen, you know, obviously some of your uh, videos there with some of these uh, wingsuit jumps and these base jumps. It's just, uh, you know, blows my mind. I love showing them to my kids to show, you know, it it looks surreal. Have you, has becoming a dad uh, changed it or altered anything as far as you participating in any of the jumps? Or is there something you don't do now specifically because you're a father? 
No, you know, my kids have actually, they've seen me skydive a bunch. They've actually been with me on a trip to Switzerland and Italy where I was base jumping. So they've walked with me to exit points. They've been there when I've landed. So they're, they're definitely, I don't hide any of those activities from them. What I would say is that, you know, risk assessment and risk mitigation, it happens all around you every day. If you decide to get in a car and go somewhere, you mean you're basically making that risk to reward valuation. Um, it probably made me pay again, you know, whether or not you want to frame your thought process before you have a kid, you're thinking mostly about yourself. After you have children, you know, there's, it's unavoidable that you're thinking about the impact of it on them. So that is what has changed for me. And I would say, if anything, it makes me pay more attention to that risk mitigation and risk assessment. And I'm probably more likely to walk away from those things now than I was before. Um, and I've always, I've always tried to maintain that, you know, there's a lot of people who will try to force themselves through some of those situations, specifically in the base jumping world. You'll see people who are on an exit point that are really trying to talk themselves in doing the jump. They're stressed out, they're scared, and all those things happen to everybody on an exit point. But my theory is, you know, the jump is optional, but everything that happens afterwards is mandatory. And I'd rather be the guy that walks away from more base jumps than anybody else, because then you'll survive to live another day. And if I get to an exit point where, you know, I'm thinking far too much about my kids as opposed to the activity I'm about to participate in, just turn around and, you know, walk away. You can always come back another day. So that definitely, uh, I'm not shying away from those activities or I won't shy away from those activities in the future, but it's definitely present in my mind. Yeah, great stuff. And I know that I mean, you mentioned before there you have the Cleared Hot podcast. Uh, I know mm -hmm. one, one of the things that I think is so beneficial to us as a society is that the, the Navy SEAL community is out in the open where we can follow you guys on Instagram. We can read the books. We can listen to the podcast. What was the, um, the genesis for you starting the uh, Cleared, Hot, uh, Cleared Hot podcast and uh, what is it mainly all about? Uh, I mean, I'll go in the opposite direction. Um, you know what it's all about. I enjoy sitting down and having conversations with interesting people. That's what I enjoy about it the most. And I also like the Q and A episodes that I do. I haven't done one in a while because I've had some guests stacked up on top of each other. So I kind of save the Q and A for a, a little bit of a buffer in between guests. But some of the questions are awesome, and they force me to sit down and think about what I truly believe and why I think the way that I think. And that's been pretty damn cathartic for me to think through those things. And then sitting down and talking with people that I'm fascinated by. I mean, it's amazing what you can learn if you just take the time to sit down and listen to somebody else talk about their expertise. Uh, and the whole genesis of it was the Joe Rogan. You know, I was very fortunate enough to meet him through a mutual friend, Tate Fletcher. And at the end of the first time I was on his podcast, after the microphones were off, we were kind of they, they were playing pool. And I was talking with Joe a little bit. And he's like, hey, man, you should think about starting your own podcast. And he said that to thousands of people. He's probably responsible for like 10% of the podcasts that are out there. But that's where it started. It started from, uh, you know, the idea of somebody who was very well established and very successful in that career field. And who am I to, you know, say, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's incredible. It's given me the opportunity to speak to guys like you, and I, I've enjoyed the platform so much. I, I'm about two years into it myself, and it's been uh, an incredible mm -hmm. ride for me. And I think it's beneficial to everybody because we get a chance to choose what we want to listen to, uh, who we want to listen to, and it's unfiltered. There's no uh, you know rules that has to be followed, so it's off the cuff most of the time. Uh, I think it's great. It's obviously it's exploded here too. So and, and keeping it to the technology, it's a struggle, you know, for, for myself for a lot of dads right now, just because we're competing with the technology. But now, especially too. Uh, during this, 
there's kind of like an overflow of the technology. The kids are getting a little bit too much of it. Um, and, yeah. and I know you mentioned you have a 16 year old. My oldest is just about to be 14. So one of the things, uh, you know, I'm concerned with, with the whole thing, obviously, is the pornography and the access that these kids have to it. How do you kind of monitor or handle all the technology and stuff like that with your kids? Well, you know, it was easier when I had uh, actual impact and the ability to sit there face to face and talk with them about it. I've always told all three of my kids that they're growing up in a more difficult time than I did just due to the technology aspect. And I've tried to reinforce to them, all three of them, that they have to think about and act at all times that anything that they do online could live on forever. And I don't think it's uh, unreasonable to think about, you know, text exchanges or Snapchat exchanges or the sending of pictures. And at some point you go sit down for a job interview and somebody slides a piece of paper across the table and says, is this you? Are, you know, is this the way that you conduct yourself? But it's, it's, I've seen it in all three of my kids. All three of my kids have made mistakes with their electronics devices, as have I as an adult, and said things that, you know, that I wish I hadn't said, but they live forever, you know, if somebody does a screenshot. Uh, but the difference is I think they have a hard time bridging the gap between that no consequence environment of a Snapchat, you know, where you just jump on and make a shitty comment to somebody because it seems like there's no consequence. Or another one that I see it, uh, you know, like the avatar generation where my sons will play online video games where there's these chat rooms. And I'll sit there in the room, or I used to sit in the room sometimes and just listen to the way that they interacted with their peers without them knowing that I was in the room. And it's startling. But they just don't think that there's, it's like, dad, what? it's just an internet chat room. I'm like, yeah, but there's another human being on the other end of that comment. And what you say, although it might not mean something to you, could have a crazy impact to them. Um, those electronic devices are really dangerous. Uh, my biggest concern is for my oldest son currently. He, every time that I have been able to get access to his phone, and the one piece of advice that I could give to parents is that you need to be overbearing with your access to your kids' phones. It's not a matter of invading their privacy. It's a matter of being a parent and ensuring that they're still growing and maturing and doing the right things. Because some of the stuff that I've found on those phones is horrendous. Um, and again, I don't know if they realize the long-term consequences or the potential long-term consequences because it's just, you know, it's just this little screen. And, you know, they're addicted to it for sure. There's that essence of addiction to that device. But if parents are out there and you want to get a really good snapshot of how your kid is actually behaving outside of the direct oversight that you have on them, you need to get into their phone and take a look at it. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because like years ago when I was a kid, there would be like if you wanted to get a glimpse of that, you you'd try to sneak around and see how they acted in the playground like we're in a schoolyard. And then you get a better glimpse of how they present themselves. Now it's through this technology. And I drive Uber on the weekends. Well, I was before this whole lockdown mm -hmm. started. And. Um, it, it's amazing to listen to the conversations. They mostly take place through the phone, even when the kids are in the car. And it's just like, it's really mind blowing. And the other aspect of it is that they trust the technology so much where I have people, you know, at two, two, three in the morning that they're, that are drunk. They don't even check my license plate. They don't even ask who I am. They just get right in the car and just expect that I'm going to be the guy they're looking for. So that part of it is a little scary. It's beneficial that they have the option not to drink and drive, but then again, mm -hmm. on the other side of it, you know, sometimes they don't even, you know, look to who they're getting in the car with. So, uh, that, that part is scary. Um, what about what's next for you here then, Andy? I mean, you've had so much uh, success. You've had so many different uh, paths that you've chosen to go. What, what, what do you kind of have goals set for yourself for the future here? 
Hard to say long term, just because I have no idea exactly how this, you know, the pandemic is going to play itself out. Um, about a third of my year is public speaking, and obviously, speaking at large groups right now is not going to happen. So the rest of my calendar year cleared itself up. It went ahead and uh, cleared itself up for me, so I don't have to worry about any of those public speaking engagements right now, which is fine because it, it'll come back at some point. You know, we'll find a new normal outside of this. But what I've been trying to do is uh, probably similar to what you're doing: is looking at the the tools I have available now, which is largely what we're talking on, you know, online resources um, and trying to build that presence and work inside of the the framework that seems to be what we're limited with right now. I think my biggest goal probably in the near term is just to continue to dive in with the podcast. It's one of the most enjoyable things that I do. I really like just sitting down and talking with people that I find interesting and kind of building the online presence of that given again, like I said, the framework, what we have to go forward with. And I think my goal for 2020 is to not add any new things that I do and maybe just optimize and become more efficient with the things that I already do. Yeah. Very cool. I love that. And what, uh, and how do you, I want to curious about you. How do you feel about the, um, like the Navy SEAL shows that are out there? Do you ever watch them like the SEAL team or like the six that was on history channel? And how do you feel that they represent the SEALs? Uh, you know, it's a difficult medium to actually unpack any realism. You know, an hour long TV show is actually 44 minutes broken up in usually four to six chunks. And, you know, TV show, it's entertainment. And as long as you take it as entertainment, that's fine. The reality is they need to get good ratings so they can sell detergent in, you know, hand soap in between. They make their money <laughs> yeah. off of the, it, it's the reality. They make their money off the ads. and I, I have no problem with that. Um, but 44 minutes is not enough to balance entertainment and authenticity and I have a little bit of experience being technical advisor, specifically on the show six. And I and I saw that struggle between entertainment and authenticity. And oftentimes they would say, you know, how would you guys really do this? And you'd give them a couple options. And they're like, that's boring, which most of the time it is boring. So they would think of an entertaining or creative way to solve the problem that at least flirts with authenticity. So I don't think they paint the community well, but I don't think they paint the community poorly either. Just watch it from the lens of entertainment. You're fine. Does any of your kids, does your oldest son ever watch those and then say, hey, dad, do you do this or that? Or they don't watch, no? No, they don't. And, you know, I, I think I can count on a on one hand the number of times my kids have asked me about my old job. Because I don't, I don't talk about it in front of them. And quite frankly, I could care less if they ever show any interest in it. Yeah, very good. All right. Um, last thing I want to hit you with here, Andy, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Huh. What advice do I have for the new dad? I would say, regardless of how unsure of yourself you may be or uncomfortable or how many questions that you may have, the reality is, is you're going to make a ton of mistakes and you'll have a lot of successes, hopefully. Um, but one thing that I think has helped me with my kids is that I'm very open with the mistakes that I make and I address it with them directly. I don't try to brush it under the table and say, well, you guys need to do this, but you know, don't pay attention to me doing that. And that's obviously when your kids are a little bit later. But if you're first about to be a parent, you're going to be nervous. You're, you know, you're going to be surrounded by uncertainty and just take a deep breath. The kids come out of the box, you know, like primed to try to survive, do the best you can and don't sweat the small mistakes. You're going to be okay. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Andy Stump, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 
All right, dads, the barbershops are finally open, but I can tell you right now, there's hair in one place they're never going to cut, and that's right around the area that made you a father in the first place. And when it comes to such a delicate area, you need the right tool for the job. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that is waterproof with skin-safe technology designed to reduce nicks or tugs in those valuables in your short pants. Also, Manscaped just released their Shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file so you can pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners are going to save 20% off your order, plus get free shipping with my special promo code FATHER. Visit Manscaped.com and use the promo code FATHER and save 20% off your order, plus get free shipping. Manscaped.com, promo code FATHER, and you can shave that unwanted hair in your underwear today. Uh, Joining me now, First Class Father, Tim Kennedy. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Hello. Uh, let's start it right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have four kids. I have an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old, a four and three-quarter-year-old, and a five-month-old. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, I got four kids myself. Uh, what type of sports or activities are they all into? Uh, the myriad of everything, from swimming to lacrosse to learning how to sit up and uh, dancing, water polo. Yeah, they're all over the place. Do you ever get involved with coaching at all, or do you enjoy all that stuff from the sideline? Um, I try. You know, I, I I have to lead and coach in so many different areas of my life, um, and I think I cast a big shadow. So I try to, like, you know, not inject myself into things, but sometimes um, both for the kids and just for, for other coaches, it's just better if I'm just also in there and helping. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, if you could, Tim, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Okay. Well, uh, that's it's it's a lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm currently a special forces soldier, um, and uh, I have been in special forces for 15 years in a variety of jobs and missions, from sniper to um, hostage rescue to counterterrorism. Um, and I fought in the UFC, so I was a professional fighter for 17 years. Um, I host TV shows on History Channel, on Discovery Channel, on Spike TV, um, and uh, I have a bunch of companies, so I guess I'm pretty entrepreneurial in the sense that I um, am running four companies, and I'm on the board of seven, so it's uh, a lot of work, and I'm a father of four and happily married. Yeah, it's incredible what you're doing. Thank you for your service, Tim. Uh, about about how old were you then when you first became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Um, I was in college, so I was uh, young and unplanned, and uh, you know it was a in, in the in the military we we say we're voluntold to do something, right? That means like you're not really volunteering. But you have to do it, and you have to do it with uh, a certain esprit de corps, you know, like with like an excitement and, and, and pride in doing it. Um, that's how it was for me initially to be a father. Um, I, I didn't want to be a father for a long time, and I didn't know if I ever wanted to be a father. But then when you find out that, you know, you're going to be a father, you, you have to grow up. And, um, 
it was a really sharp learning curve on what growing up meant for me. I was a disaster of a college student in the sense of like, I was a professional fighter already. I was already ranked top 10 in the world. Um, you know, an athlete and a, a gifted student in the sense that like things were really easy, which, which was the worst combination for a person like me to take every, everything for granted and make every single bad decision that you could possibly imagine someone making. Uh, and that's what I was like, you know, throughout college. And, um, when my first daughter came into the world, it was the first time that I ever started making decisions about something or someone above myself, you know, um, that was the first time that it even crossed my mind to do something that wasn't completely selfish. Uh, not that I was a good person yet. Cause I wasn't not that I started making great decisions cause I didn't, but I definitely, that was the turning point of me beginning to, um, take life by the balls and kick everything in the dick to make the right decisions. Yeah, very cool, Tim. And I know, obviously, uh, being a professional fighter, being in the special forces, it requires a lot of discipline for for all of that. But what type of disciplinarian are you when it comes to being a dad? And is it different than the discipline style you grew up with? Yeah, I was um, I was shaped by a very loving but firm firm hand. My dad, you know, got got spanked a lot um, more from my mom than from my dad. Uh, you know, from I think in today's standards, what is absolutely abuse, you know, from like leather belts to sticks to, um, you know, the wooden spoon. Um, and I wouldn't change a single thing about what my parents did to me. You know, like they were amazing. It was always out of love and, uh, and compassion and patience. Um, but like in the 21st century, like I, I think people would look at, hitting some, a kid with a, a wooden spoon or a belt and be like, that's abuse. Um, at that time, it absolutely was not. Uh, and nor do I think, you know, in, in that, that it is today. Um, I, oh, man, I could count on one hand the number of times that my, my kids have gotten like a swat on the book, you know, and it's always been in, in like a very dire thing of them hurting something else or potentially hurting themselves. You know, like disobedience or, you know, like not picking up the toys. Like that's not, you're not going to get a spanking from me for that. You know, but like I say, hey, don't walk out into the street. When we are walking out of the grocery store, a car is going to hit you. And a kid runs out into the street like, man, you're going to get scuffed up because you're going to die otherwise. Um, and with every kid, it's always been super different. You know, with, uh, with one of my daughters – if I told them that I was disappointed in her, it, it is like buckets of tears, you know, no spanking, no anything. It's just like, uh, I mean, her heart is broken and it takes a long time to her for her to recover from that. Um, my four-year-old boy, on the other hand, it's like, let me take this log, throw it at your head and it bounces off and you're like, ha, you know, I'm going to do this again because I'm like so stubborn and so disobedient. Um, and so like, there's a, a huge variety of how you have to, to deal with, you know, pun punishments and, and making sure that the kid's going to do the right thing. Yeah, I see the same thing with my four kids as well, Tim. And I, I love the post that you put up there about the uh, the Super Bowl halftime show, because I know, I mean, we're living in a world here where like they, they canceled the uh, swimsuit competition for the Miss America pageant because it objectifies women. And then we have a halftime show that seemed to be uh, now my daughter's only five years old. She's small, but she does emulate what she does. See, what kind of feedback did you get from having that post up there? Uh, super negative. You know, uh, the vast majority of the people that 
that sought were like, all right, boomer, you know, you are so out of touch. And I was like, bitch, please. I spend half of my waking hours as an adult life chasing down women that are being trafficked um, and teaching women that have been trafficked how to stand up and fight for themselves. You know, self-defense courses, um, going all around the world in a military capacity, teaching people how to fight them for themselves. So like if somebody's going to be in a position, not that I'm completely unique, but I might have a, a, a pretty special lens that I, that I view women from because I have seen them truly objectified in the most horrific ways imaginable. And as a father of like a, an infant, you know, a five month old right now, all the way up to a senior in high school about to go into college, um, like seeing the variety of, of how women are treated and, you know, like w- what is modesty, what's appropriate, the Super Bowl specifically from that post, um, you know, people are, Shakira is absolutely gorgeous. And does she have every right to do that? And is it, is it beautiful? For sure. You know, um, was that Mariah Carey that was with her? Right. Yeah. Uh, no, it was uh, Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. Oh, also stunning, right? Totally beautiful. And can they completely do anything what they want with their body, bodies for sure? Um, should they be doing that on primetime television on Super Bowl Sunday uh, where, you know, every single household is watching a girl like grab her crotch? Probably not. You know, is there a time and a place for things? You know, you can't have your, your, your cake and eat it too in the sense that like you don't get to pick and choose when you can objectify your body. Like we, we have to at least have like a moral baseline and realize what's breath right and left of those limits, what's appropriate and inappropriate. And prime time, Sunday afternoon, in the middle of uh, my living room, watching uh, you know a girl like grab her crotch and shake and shake her butt is not what I want my teenage daughters or my five month old who absolutely understands what's happening to see. Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. And I think it's one thing, you know, be sexy, appreciate your body, stuff like that. But they brought out like the stripper pole. That was uh, I thought a little bit uh, a little bit over the top for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and staying staying on that subject, like I said, my daughter, she's my only girl. I have three boys, and my youngest is my girl. And I'm already dreading that. You said your oldest is a senior in high school. There has your daughter started to hit that dating scene, and how have you, as a you know special forces operator, how do you kind of handle that with you, with your girls? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know if you're like having project, uh, you know, your your alpha, your like superiority, or your um, dictator type pater, p- parenting onto your teenage kid about who she's going to be selecting, like you are way too late. And, um, and if anything, she's going to pick an even worse uh, person to be with. And um, she's going to have a lot of resentment about how you're doing it. So um, my five month old right now, like I'm already shaping what that's going to look like for who she's going to be with later on in life. Right. She already sees and hears everything. She sees how I treat my wife. She sees how I talk to other women. She sees how I interact with other women. So, you know, in like not, they're smart. Kids are going to learn and they're going to emulate what's um, the most significant masculine figure in their life. I either father, uh, they're, they're going to pick and choose given off how you treat them and how they think they should be treated. So like you treat, you treat your daughter with disrespect and you're mean and you're rough with her. Guess what? She's going to find that in somebody else. If you're kind, you're compassionate, you're loving, you're tender, you're under, and pay, you're like, she'll find that, you know? So you get to pick and choose from birth what that, what that beautiful little girl is going to pick later on in life. Yeah. Well said, Tim. And, and, and you mentioned there earlier there too, like how you, uh, help to track down these women who have been trafficked and stuff like that. And I know a lot of it, 
uh, comes from all these devices that we now have access to. A lot of it's coming from social media and, and just different, the dark web, whatever it may be. My oldest is 13, so he's got the phone now, and uh, we're trying to do our best here. But it's a challenge for us, the technology. How do you kind of manage or monitor all the technology, the phones and stuff like that with your kids? Well, I mean, if you're paying the cell phone bill, like everything that happens on it, that, that's your right to see. Um, you know, and uh, even with the senior going into high school, uh, going into college, like if she thinks because she's over 18 that there's going to be a change in like the monitoring of her cell phone. Like, no, man, if I'm paying the bills, that's my phone, you know, like and so is everything that's on it. Um, like I'm going to respect her privacy in the sense that like, uh, you know, if she's having a conversation with one of her girlfriends. Like I'm not going to get in there, you know, but if um, like there's images that's being sent to a boy like, hey, that 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 is my business. Um and uh, not that I don't trust her, but an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And um, with technology and how accessible the world is to our kids, you know, I grew up in a, t in, in a town in an era where I could hop on a bicycle and I could ride miles to my friend's house, right? As at like eight years old, the thought of doing that now is insane. Right. Everybody's like, no, there's no way I would let my kid hop on a bicycle and, and ride through town to the opposite, you know, like end of town to hang out with their friend at eight. Um, but yet we put a device in their hand that it's not to the other side of the town. It's to the rest of the world has access and visibility of your kid. So looking at at a lens of like who has access to influencing your children, um, that device from Snapchat to TikTok to Instagram to Facebook to Twitter, every single one of those is, is limitless exposure to who can have access to your children. And that's something that traditionally has been controlled by the parent. So now we, we, we have to evolve in what that control looks like. Um, and if it's not coming from a good place, like if you're not trying to do it out of love, I think you're setting yourself up for a pretty rough fight. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the numbers are staggering too, Tim, with all this stuff. Like I've had Craig Sawyer on the show that does the uh, Vets for Child Rescue, and it's like he was yeah. saying some of the numbers. It's like it's mind-boggling how many people are in the industry of snatching up young kids and, and trafficking them. And they're really good at it. Yeah, it's, it's scary. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, what type of advice do you have for the parent out there whose kid is getting ready to uh, enlist or join the military right after uh, high school this year? What kind of advice do you have for them? Um. And that's it's that, that's that's a tough thing for a lot of parents. You know, they they um, that kid is choosing a new family. Um, that doesn't mean that your family is less, but you have to understand, appreciate, and recognize that there are going to be. For me, for example, I have brothers from the regiment that I am connected and closer with in a lot of ways from my brother, who I love with my whole entire heart, and my sister who is like my best friend in the world and my mom and dad, who are the most incredible parents on the planet. But like they haven't watched me poop in a brown bag while I'm hiding inside of a hole, looking at it, taking 12 hour shifts, shifts, looking through a scope, you know, like those are different things. They haven't smelled me when I haven't showered for 45 days. Um, that, that's a different thing. They haven't sat there with the person next to me staring at a tree for 10 hours and being able to like, talk about everything and anything. So as a parent, you, you have to recognize that and you have to be sensitive to that. Sensitive in the, in, the fact, in the fact that you have to respect and understand that and support that and facilitate that. Like maybe Thanksgiving, you're gonna have to have a couple extra places at your table for 
your son or daughter's friends that are coming back with them during R&R over the holidays. And you have to make that happen. That's not a choice. You have to do that. Otherwise, that kid is going to be alienated. Um, and you have to continue to sort, support them in like different ways. You know, my, my, my dad um, would grind up vitamin C tablets and put them inside of envelopes and mail them to me inside of like a little Ziploc bag in ranger school. So I could open up a Ziploc bag and I would have more vitamin C than I would get for a week in nutrition. So he's like a drug dealer trying to slip me, you know, um, the drug of choice, which was something to boost my immunity system while, you know, cause I didn't want to get sick in, in basic training or infantry school or jump school or ranger school or every single place. Um, he very ingeniously tried to figure out what is the thing that this dude needs and how can I help him get it? Um, you know, that maybe that's bending the rules a little bit about, you know, like taking a brown Listerine bottle and sneaking in a little bit of Jack Daniels. You're like, I'm not telling you what you're going to do, but what I'm going to say is you're going to have to be pretty creative in how you're going to support your kid because he's going to have different needs and different ones. Yes, sir. I'm on the, I'm on the phone. You want to come say, hey? You can come say, hey. Oh, you're going to say hi. Oh, you want me to say hi, hi. This is, my name is Rolo. This is Rolo. What's doing? You get all your homework done today or what? Yeah. Did you yeah. chop my leg off with a lightsaber? How many times did you chop my leg off? I don't know. Three times? Four, I think. Four times. Yeah, we had a little lightsaber fight. That's why I was two minutes late to this call. <laughs> I'll be done in just like a few minutes and we can go back and play, play lacrosse. Bye. Right. I'll... Okay. I'm going to beat you. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Tim, the fact that I mean, being a dad, does that did that change yeah. at all any type of uh, decision that you've made about what capacity you're going to continue to serve in the military? No, um, you know, you get to yes. Sir. Uh, when 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 you're done, then with the call, uh -huh. then come in um, the office, okay? Yes, sir. Um, it didn't change. What I was going to do, um, it kind of changed why I was going to do them. You know, uh, it's, I, I, I believe uh, that it's important for uh, kids to see failure, suffering, sacrifice. Um, you know, I think people view my life through Instagram, which is so inaccurate of what my life is like. Um, you know, because you, you see lots of success. You see lots of... Uh, accomplishment you know you see me winning fights and you see um me you know get my hand, hand raised after super grappling matches um after shooting competitions you know but what my kids see is me training and me failing and me dry firing and me you know today i had two horrific workouts and one of my partners is in the hospital right now with uh, one of my training partners with like ice packs up and down his leg because he thought he has a compartmental syndrome or like his muscle grew too fast. And anyways, so, um, it's, uh, and that applies to work too, I think where, you know, I, I want my kids to see me be part of something that is more important or bigger than me where I don't always get to choose. Like they see dad CEO, they see, you know, like the entrepreneur that's like running companies and telling employees where to go, um, you know, an author and, and, but they also see me say, 
yes, sir, I'll get that done. Uh, yes, sir, I will go do that deployment even though I don't want to. Um, I don't want to go to this super crappy place for this long period of time. That's going to mean I'm going to miss out on some portions of my kid's life. Um, but it's important that they see that, you know, especially now. <laughs> have have the girls, I mean, have any of the kids, have they ever seen you fight live? Or would, is that something you would have let them uh, come to? Or do you see it on uh, video and stuff like that? Um, I never let them watch any of those fights uh, live. Um, heck, I couldn't even, uh, I, I, wanted to, I didn't want my parents to be at my fights. Um, uh, but my big girls now, you know, like they they can watch whatever they want. <laughs> so they've, they've seen most of my fights to include the ones that I lost. Um, you know, they saw me fight for world titles and lose world titles. Um, you know, they, they saw dudes that I beat come back and become world champions. So it's, uh, it's all important, I think. Yeah, I, I could see you having one of them on in the background, like when they come home, for, you know, when they're about to go out for the prom or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, Tim, obviously you've had, you know, you got a million things going on here. What kind of plans or goals do you have here for yourself for the future? Um, so I got promoted within Special Forces. So I have some cool things I get to do as a team sergeant. So as a master sergeant in Special Forces, you have uh, 12 Special Forces soldiers that you're kind of like the dad for. Um, you're the, you're the team dad. I mean, that's really not only they call you that, but that's your role. Like I have to, these men are like my, my sons or my younger brothers that I have to make sure they have everything they need to be able to accomplish their mission. Um, that's both mentoring, like professional development, um, administrative support, and then training. So, you know, when we're getting ready to go overseas, I know what the mission is. I have to make sure that we're in an environment that is conducive for them to be able to, to flourish and be successful. Sounds pretty much like a father, you know. So that's a a, a new a new challenge um, on the entrepreneurial side. You know, I've shaped our response, Ranger Up, um, Live Relentless, um, SDR Secured Consulting, TKO Marketing. So I have like a bunch of things that I am always grinding at and working long, really long hours. <laughs> um, you know, juggling like I take my son to school every single day. Um, and, uh, you know, like trying to manipulate which colleges my daughters are going to go to so they can be super close. Um, but, you know, supporting whatever they choose, kind of, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's all very inspiring stuff, Tim. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there listening? You know, I like this. But, like, pain and suffering is important. Um, I actually just got lectured by my wife, uh, this weekend at one of my kids games because my kid's the youngest, he's the smallest. Um, uh, but I of course want him to play the most and I want him to get all the extra treatment and all the extra coaching and all the extra best gear. And she's like, and she said, you know, he has to do his time. I was like, no, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's going to be the best athlete out there. Um, she's like, well, no, he needs to fail and he needs to learn and he needs to struggle and he needs to be the grunt. And, um, you know, and, and as like, not that I'm a helicopter parent, but as like a, a loving parent that wants to see all of my kids succeed, you forget that struggle is the most important component of success. And, you know, you can't make it easy for them. 
You know, you don't you don't want to fudge the records for USC and how they're going to be getting in there because, like, look what happens. You know, you don't want to have a padded room for them to grow up in because their bodies are going to be weak. And the first time they have to do something real, it's going to break. You know, emotionally, you don't want to shelter them from every single type of bullying. Like, I was literally pissed on. Like, a dude pulled out his penis and peed on me in, in part of, of hazing. The first time I was at war, I mean, that was one of, like, a, a bazillion examples of, of how we were hazed at the beginning of the war. Um, when war started, I was like, this is pretty easy, you know? <laughs> and like, looking back, would I change anything? No, uh, that, that sounds crazy. Like nobody would wish that on their worst enemy, but like you cannot protect your kid from other, everything, you know, with, with boys, keep the blood in and keep them clean with the girls, listen to them, let them talk. I mean, and it's going to be a lot of talk, you know, let that emotional, capacity grow um and how you receive it and how they give it so there's a, there's my long advice yeah very well said uh this has been an honor for me i gotta say tim kennedy you're a first class father all the way and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first class fatherhood my pleasure man good luck joining me now first class father jocko willink welcome to first class fatherhood hey thanks for having me on alec all right let's start it right here how many kids do you have how old are they i've got four kids 21, 19, 17, and 11. Wow, very cool. Yeah, I got four kids myself, three boys and a girl. What, what's the uh, denomination for you over there? I've got the opposite, three girls and one boy. Wow, very cool. What kind of sports or activities are they all into? You know, we live out here in California. They're, um, they're into kind of a little bit of everything. Obviously, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, surfing, um, gymnastics. My oldest daughter did ballet pretty heavily, so pretty much uh, those kind of those kind of things. Yeah, very cool. And if you could, Jocko, for the one or two people who don't know, if you could just take a minute to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Oh, I, I was in the military for 20 years, and when I retired from the military, I started working with companies, teaching leadership, and that's pretty much what I've been doing. I have a, I have a podcast as well. Yeah, uh, thank you for your service, Jocko. This is a big honor for me here. So I just, uh, you know, along this journey that you had, about how old were you then, Jocko, when you first became a father and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? You know, when I, you know, had my first kid, let's see, I guess I was 27 or so. And, you know, I was already in the SEAL teams. I'd been in the SEAL teams for a while. So for me, it was, you know, when you're in the SEAL teams, you've got a bunch of people that are more important than you. You know, your platoon mates, the guys in your platoon, they're more important than you are. And, and so I was used to that feeling. And then when you have children, you know, you realize that now you've got some more people in your life that are more important than you are and you got to put them first. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I, you know, I really respect so much our military men and women because just as a, a father myself, I hate when I have to work an overtime shift and I miss out on some things with my kids and it's like for such a small amount of time, but to be deployed, be overseas and miss out on so much time, I can't even begin to imagine it. So um, it, what, what would you consider then, Jocko, to be the top values that you hope to instill in your kids as they grow up? You know, really the, the values that I wrote about, you know, I've written a bunch of kids books as well and one of the series of kids books that I've written is called way the warrior kid and the values that I try to get into my kids are all in those books you know being disciplined with the way that they live so that they're healthy and they're strong and they're smart being a hard worker with a good you know a good solid work ethic being a protector and a defender instead of being a bully 
being respectful to other people, helping other people out, putting other people ahead of themselves, staying calm, not being super emotional, and, you know, being a leader. And then on top of all those things, always staying humble. Yeah, very well said, Jocko. And for, for my wife and I, uh, going from uh, two to three was the most challenging of the uh, of the change for us. Uh, so usually when I have guys that have about the same kids as I do, what would you say was the most difficult uh, transition for you as far as number of kids? You know, I was deployed a lot of the time. And so it was all on my wife and she was just a, just a superhero back here. I wouldn't be able to tell you which one was the hardest. I know that the for me, the biggest shock to the system was baby number one. After we had baby number two, whatever, 17 months later, and then baby number three, 18 months after that, it was just mayhem for my wife, and she handled it like a trooper. Yeah, wow, incredible. And, uh, yeah, my wife is one that stayed home for the most part. She just went back to work last year, so she always stayed at home with the kids, and it's it was one of those things where I got a real good taste of it when I was by myself with, the, you know, the three, the four, and I, I got a really good uh, – a lot more respect once I had to go through that. Um, and obviously, big thing with you, Jocko, is discipline. It's something you preach about, something you talk about. Uh, what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? You know, my parents my parents both worked when I was growing up. So there was a lot of leeway with what I could get away with doing and the way that I behaved, you know, and, and I didn't really abuse it. You know, I was I was a rebellious kid, but I, I wasn't doing anything that was too crazy. Um, so I would say with my parents, they gave me a lot of leeway. I do the same thing with my kids. You know, uh, as my kids get a little bit older, they can do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want as long as it is good for their long-term benefit. And if they're doing something that, you know, maybe is starting to get out of line, then, you know, I'll talk to them about it in the way you know, if you were to ask me what kind of discipline I use with my kids, I would say my primary disciplinary tool with my kids is that I ask them questions. I'll sit down and ask them questions. I'll sit down and say, well, what, what do, why are you doing that? What, what are you expecting to happen? What are you looking for for an outcome there? How, how is this going to benefit you in the long run? So I think, you know, just for me, that's normally enough for my kids to realize that maybe they're not making a good decision and they'll straighten back out. Yeah, good stuff. And you have it the reverse of me here. One of the biggest concerns I have, my daughter is my only girl. She's, you know, six years old now, so I got a long way to go. Thank God here. But uh, you've already been there with this. Uh, how did you kind of handle it when your kids became old enough to hit that dating scene? Uh, I didn't really think too much about it. You know, I mean, they're human beings and they're going to be at some point start to hang around with the members of the opposite sex. And, you know, I just kind of told them, you know, keep control of your emotions. Uh, I think I, I think I've told a couple of them, you know, that I don't even remember who I went out with in high school. So even though it seems like it's a big deal, it's not, uh, you know, take your time. No big deal. I, I didn't I didn't really get too too hyped about it. And my kids have all had, you know, nice, nice uh, relationships with with, uh, you know, members of the opposite sex. And, and obviously now you've had a lot of success with the Echelon Front, with the books, with the podcast. You've been crushing it, just about everything that you touch here. What was the genesis of the Echelon Front, and uh, where do you plan on taking it in the future here? Well, before I, before I retired from the Navy, I, I had a friend that was the CEO of a big company, and he asked me to go and talk to his executive team about leadership. And so I went, you know, just did it as a friend, as a favor. And when I got done talking, he, he said, I want you to talk to every division I've got in my company. And 
I told him, Hey, I'm retiring. I'm not, I'm not doing this kind of stuff. And he told me he'd pay me. And so <laughs> I started, I did, I did, uh, started talking to all of his divisions in his company. And at one of those divisional meetings, the CEO of the parent company that owned his company was there. And when I got done, he came up and said, Hey, I, I want you to talk to all the CEOs that I have at all my companies. So he paid me as well. And, and I went and did that. And from there, a bunch of those CEOs just came up and said, I want you to talk to my company. I want you to talk to my company. I want you to talk to my company. And then I had a new business. Yeah. And, and you talk to all these guys that are, you know, big business heads and all that stuff. But can these principles of leadership that you preach, uh, can they be applied to fatherhood as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, all those, the, the four laws of combat, if you just take those as an example, you know, you got cover and move, which is working together as a team. That's what a husband and wife have to, have to do to, to survive and make things happen inside of a house. Got to keep things simple, right? We all know that. Prioritize and execute. Look, you got wrestling, you got dinner, you got jujitsu, you got to get the car fixed, you got homework. You multiply all those things times four different kids and you better learn how to prioritize and execute. And then, of course, last law of combat is decentralized command. And, that, and that's something you need to do with the troops that you lead, the employees that you have, and your kids as well. Because if you do everything for your kids, then they're not going to figure out how to do it for themselves. If you do everything for your employees or you do everything for your troops, they're not going to learn how to do it themselves. So you got to let your kids lead. Just like you let your employees lead, just like you let your troopers lead, you got to let your kids lead. Let them figure out what they're going to make for lunch or dinner. Let them do their own laundry. Let them make sure that their, their, their homework is prepared for school. So that's decentralized command. And yep, these things apply in the business world. They apply on the battlefield. They apply in life. And they certainly apply within the family as well. Yeah, very well said, Jocko. Yeah, that, that's one thing I talk about too. Like we kind of simulate for our kids the things. Like when I was a kid, we played a lot of street ball, but there was no refs, no coaches, no parents that were hovering around us telling us what to do. And, you know, we made all the teams up. We made the rules. We settled all the arguments. And I think our kids are kind of losing those problem-solving skills today because we get them all in organized sports at like the age of four uh, with everything today. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt and, about it. You know, I'm curious to get your opinion. I know the SEALs have really just blown up here in the last decade or so with all the attention in the books and the movies and the shows and stuff like that. Me, as a civilian, I think it's awesome because I love to learn from your mindset. I'm more, you know, attracted to that than I am so much the guts and the glory stuff of the war. I think the, the philosophy that you guys have is incredible. I think it's a benefit to our society that it's available to us. How do you kind of feel about the SEALs exposure, the SEAL team shows, the movies and all that stuff? Um, you know, the, there's, there's been a lot of great information that's come out about the, the heroic seals that have done incredible things out on the battlefield. I think it's important that those stories get out. You know, when, um, when I had a book coming out that I had written one of the seal admirals that was uh, talking to me and he, he read through the book and he really liked it. And, you know, he said, he said, you know, we are supposed to be quiet professionals, but that doesn't mean silent professionals. It mean, doesn't mean we never say anything. And the stories and the, the principles that I was putting out, he was, he was happy to see him going out there. He was happy to see a, a representation of the SEAL teams in a positive light. There's, you know, you talk about how popular the SEALs are. Well, the SEALs get a lot of negative press as well. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's a tough balance and, and the bottom line is, you know, we're supposed to be humble. And yet when you write a bunch of books about the SEAL teams, it's that are about yourself. It's, it's hard to claim that you're being humble. So you try and do it in the best possible way to share stories of those that made the ultimate sacrifice and try and share principles that will help people. And that's what I've been trying to do from my perspective.
Yeah, well said. And, and something that just came up here recently, one of the things I talk about a lot on the show, Jocko, is that there's like an attack on the family life, an attack on fatherhood, and certainly an attack on masculinity that's going on. And we've just seen, they put a thing out about the changing the seal ethos uh, from, uh, you know, making it gender neutral. Did you did you have any kind of opinion? Did you see that story? Or what kind of opinion you have on that? Yeah, you know, I saw that they, they were doing something like that. I, I read through the the uh, directive from the admiral that he put out. I don't really understand what the point of that is. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's that, that whole thing, the, uh, the seal ethos that was written a while ago, trying to, trying to give seals a baseline of how to make their decisions. So I think that's uh, a positive thing to do is to, is to give seals some kind of an ethos where they can make decisions based on that ethos. Uh, the changes that they're making right now seems like they might be. I'm not really quite sure why they're doing it. Um, I I'm, I'm I retired ten years ago. I'm not 100 percent sure why they're doing it. Uh, there's there's not any female seals. Um, I don't know if there ever will be, but yeah, I'm 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 not really sure what's going on with that. Yeah, it kind of seems like a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So it kind of a little mind-boggling to myself as well. So. Uh, well, listen, Jaco, obviously you've had so much success in everything you do. What kind of plans or goals do you have for yourself here for the future? Any more books coming on the way? What, what's coming up next for you? Yeah, yeah, I've got a few more books. I've got, a, I've got another Way of the Warrior Kid book coming out in December. Um, after that, I've got a novel coming out in probably September of 2021. And then another Leadership Cup book coming out after that. I'm going to keep making podcasts. You know, we've got a... A company up in Maine where we're, we're making all-American made clothing. Um, we've got uh, our supplement line out. You know, I've got kids, you know, warrior kid milk. So I got protein shakes for, for kids because parents are feeding their kids, you know, drinks that are filled with the most horrible ingredients. So we make stuff that's actually good for kids and it actually tastes good as well. Make those things for adults too. So we're going to keep growing that and expanding that. We've got a, we've got a, uh, an energy drink, and I hate to call it that because the energy drinks, when you look at what's in a normal energy drink, they're they're not good for you, and they really don't give you. They give you some false energy. We the, the drinks that I'm making are good for you. They've got real energy. They're not overloaded with caffeine. There's no sugar. They taste great. So we'll continue to push forward that, that with that, and the Echelon Front, you know, trying to become the premier leadership consultancy in the world. Yeah, awesome, Jocko. And the last thing I'm going to hit you with here, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? I would say, you know, kids, you got to remember that your kids are not going to be who you want them to be. They're going to be who they are, and you do have some influence over that, but don't try and impose too much upon them, just like you wouldn't do with a with an employee or with one of your troops. Don't try and impose too much upon them or they're going to rebel against you and they're not going to see the way things that you see them. And, you know, let them occasionally brush up against the guardrails of failure. It's okay. You know, let them get dinged up a little bit. Look, you don't want to let them drive off the cliff, but it's okay to take some dings along the way. And there's, there's two things I've been talking about a lot when it comes to leadership lately. Two, I think the most underrated tools in in leadership and number one is ask questions and number two listen to what people have to say listen to your kids listen to what they're telling you don't you don't always have to be the one that's talking and last but not least of course and this is what you hear all the time uh 
enjoy it because it goes by quick. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been a big honor for me. I got to say, Jocko Willink, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, man. Thanks for putting this word out there. Appreciate it. Good talking to you.